Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Ada. And I'm Thibaut. Every two weeks, we interview top leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We are on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to submit your questions and guest suggestions, you can join the T-shaped sales community. It's a 10 euro month subscription where you'll get access to one new tactical training every month, a community of sales reps and exclusive events and discounts. Join today and get one month for free at www.saleslabs.io slash TSC. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. So hello everyone and welcome to this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. So today's guest uh, is actually from all over the place. He's uh, original, you know, he comes from the Philippines, but he's actually now living in Mexico in beautiful Guadalajara. Uh, so it's uh, Daniel Vidua, who is general manager of Task Drive. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here and thank you for having me today, Tiba. Yeah, and so uh, it's it's pretty cool. So as you know, my wife is from Mexico. Uh, we plan on visiting Guadalajara uh, this uh, July. So really, uh, it was really cool to chat about that with you. But we won't talk about uh, Mexican uh, delicacies and the culture. We'll talk more about finding leads, researching leads when you're doing B2B. So before we dive into that, can you just present yourself? Tell us a bit more about you and your background. Absolutely. So my name is Daniel Vaduya. I am originally, as you stated, from the Philippines, and I'm like a dragonfly. I'm all over the place. I've been around the world, and I decided to settle down my roots here in Mexico and start my life all over again. I come with more than a decade of experience in the communications or BPO industry, and a fair part of that since 2017, I've transitioned from the business-to-consumer phase into the business-to-business world, so started as a customer success manager then eventually became the head of customer success and now I am the general manager for task drive overseeing and managing the entire brand okay nice so so as you said you're, you're jumping from b2c to b2b like what was the the kind of observ- observations you had from that the peculiar observation with this was that unlike with b2c where In my experience, I was under the sales department. It was difficult, but at the same time, easy for me to make those sales because it was as simple as them making a decision right then and there over the phone when they wanted something or not. But with B2B, it was particularly different. Unlike with B2C, when you try to sell a product, you simply have to offer it to a customer. But with B2B, it takes time. It's not as if it's candy that you try to sell to someone that they would say yes or no to. It takes development. It takes time to research what they need. It takes time to talk about why your product is better for them. And the fact that they have to make a decision is not right then and there, but it takes sometimes weeks, months, or even a year to make a decision. So that was the difference that I saw with B2C and B2B was the fact that you had to do some sort of sales development and inside sales to be able to make the right offer to your prospective client or customer. So that's what's that's what really stood out to me. Yeah, I think that's a very good kind of uh, 
uh, kind of approach. I, for me, I kind of started doing a bit of B2C, you could call that, uh, selling like a subscription to my community for 10 euro a month. And yeah, it's very different. You know, you're just not like building value, building the case studies and all these kind of things. It's a lot faster. And often, as you said, it's a lot about the features. You present a product, people say yes, no, and that's it. Whereas in B2B, it's super different. Uh, which which makes it like uh, you know like very very interesting too. Um, so I'm actually we, we have a topic that is um, so for the story it's, we're going to talk about lead research. Um, and but for the the story when I started my company Sales Labs I was doing uh, consulting and so basically my approach was like if you have a sales problem I can fix it, which was very good to find customers but very bad to deliver great value. And the one point where I had a huge struggle to deliver value was to provide quality leads um, and deliver these kind of quality leads. So it's something I found a lot of companies are facing, a lot of sales teams are facing. So what is so hard about having good quality enriched leads? The main challenge of having quality leads is the fact that it takes time to be able to find the information. Technology has changed the face of the world since then. And in 2020 to 2021, when the pandemic hit, technology had no other place to go than up. And so the competition became fiercer. It became more advanced because, you know, technology is now available for people to use to their own advantage. But the fact remains is that artificial intelligence or some certain types of technology is unable to meet the human mind of what one can actually do with lead research. So many people nowadays still try to find shortcuts in finding good and quality leads, but we're not just there yet. And I support the advocacy and the effort of trying to find that knowledge to find good quality leads. But if you truly want quality leads, I believe that at this moment and at this age, it still requires a human touch. If you want something that really gives you insights for your sales development representatives to be effective with their outreach, if you want insights to tell you that these are the identifying markers that they are in the market to buy, then it requires a human touch, which is to get a resource, have them go into public sources and find all those identifying markers that make your lead a good and quality lead. Okay, I think it's great what you talked to, to said about the automation. So it's a it's a topic I really love. You know, like uh, understanding automation and uh, and and one very interesting thing. I guess are you familiar with this uh, thing called Amazon Turks? Amazon, can you repeat that? Amazon Turks T U R K S. I haven't heard of that yet, but I'm really okay. interested in that. I'd be happy to look that up. It's actually a super old thing from Amazon where it's uh, what you can do is um, it's basically if you take a task and you, you kind of separate it in other mini tasks that are simple enough, you can outsource that to people who will just go online and do it for a few cents. So think about like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a way that that is done. And what I found is there's always like a way to kind of make something complicated and slice it into small chunks that are so simple that you can then like, um, like kind of like outsource it. Um, but what I found is, as you said, with leads, you can do it to a certain point. And at, at some point, you know, like, I think it's about finding the playbook, being able to say, okay, you're going to splice the, the, you know, like how you can say that, split that into such small things that it's easily be uh, easily repeatable and done by someone. 
And I think still with leadership research, we didn't find how to do that. So I'm curious to know about your opinion on that and, and what's your experience with this, this micro-tasking and making it work. Um, it really depends. There are mixed... I have mixed emotions about this. So to do micro tasks or simply, you know, um, hire a bot to do something for you, it is possible. It is possible that he could do this. And if it turns out in your favor, then I'm all for it. You know, that's good because the results are there. Why, you know, fix something that is not broken. But there are also times where my reservations are there because there will be times that if you try to hire a bot, do a mechanical task or outsource this to someone who does it for a few cents, but you have to manage this. There are, there is a propensity rather that you will find that the quality is deteriorating, that the lead list you receive is actually insufficient, that the list that you try to engage with does not turn out to be good for your team where the results aren't as fruitful. So it's really a mix. If it works for you, then that's okay. Mm -hmm. But if you see that the das that does not work for you, then that's where the problem lies. And I think that, you know, further intervention is required. So it really depends with your need if you need something that you don't want to manage that much, and at the same time you want a higher quality, then I think that that's not the avenue to go for. But if you do have the time to manage uh, the mechanical tasker like Amazon Turks or an outsourced provider like um, you know someone from Upwork or um, <clears throat> I don't know maybe Fiverr. I'm not sure if Fiverr does offer that, but Upwork does. If you have the time to manage that person or the external resource, then that's good. It works for mm -hmm. you and it works all in your favor. Yeah. Yeah. And are you in favor of buying lead lists? So we all know this lead list where people come to you, to you and say, Hey, I've got a list of, you know, thousands of people. And uh, just saw a documentary recently about like a construction company, uh, you know, buying lead lists. And uh, it was just like super expensive. And, and the problem is then like the lists were supposed to be hot, but they are sold to so many other companies that it's the first one, first uh, served, uh, first come first served. So are you, are you in favor of this kind of thing, buying lead lists? Personally speaking, no. But speaking for our viewers or listeners and to everyone else out there, it's also a yes and a no. Yes, and the fact that if your lead list has a high quality, low bounce rate, high engagement rate, and high conversion rate, then it is best for you to get a lead list. But... It's a no for me if you see the following things. Number one, a high bounce rate. If the bounce rate is above 10%, that's not a good sign for you to actually maintain and um, keep on purchasing lists. Number two is that if you see that there are many contacts that say, I'm not the best person for you to speak with, that's another sign that getting a lead list may not be good for you. Or number three is that if you have that lead list, but for some reason, the information in there is lacking for your sales development representatives, then I do not recommend buying lead lists. And number four is that if you don't have the time to check the quality of the lead lists, or do you, you would want to focus your efforts and other more productive ways to build your pipeline, then I don't recommend buying a lead list. So it's a yes or no, depending on your needs. And there's a reason behind that. A little story that I would like to share with you is that back then, somewhere around 2019, a client of mine insisted in signing up for an SDR package, which we you know gladly offered. And 
and um, set up for them. But they said that we have a lead list that we have just uh, purchased from a certain source. And I would not want to name the source for, you know, respectable reasons. But the problem was he sent the he sent the lead list to us and we started engaging with it. We highly encourage that we dedicate some part of our day to checking the quality of the list so that we can ensure that we're reaching out to the right people and avoid bounces. But the client was very insistent that we simply engage with them and he was confident that there would be a very good um, return rate or, you know, email statistics rates for for this list. And the worst thing happened. 30% of these emails were bounced Mm -hmm. and eventually the client's domain was blacklisted. And we were forced to pause the campaign in the end to find the remedies to removing the domain from blacklist. Mm -hmm. So the time that we could have spent doing the research to, you know, filter the quality of the list and avoid the bounces could have been, you know, we could have done that to begin with and avoided the fact that the domain had to be blacklisted. Mm -hmm. So that's the reason why I have reservation about lead lists. So it depends. If you have the time to check the quality of the lead list, if you have the time to search for additional information that is not normally included in buying lead lists, and if you have the time to maintain these lists, then it's okay for you to get a lead list. But if you don't have those, and if you are um, uncertain that the things that I've mentioned earlier might happen to you, then I don't recommend buying a lead list. So it's all depending on your need. Okay. Um, by the way, so you, you touched very important points that uh, so many people seem to ignore in sales and especially in mailing, a bounce rate. So one thing is that happens is that uh, most people in sales don't know and often they are really surprised. Um, whenever you are sending emails and they are bouncing a lot, like all the algorithm, I don't know, whatever, Google or whatever, they, they see your domain as like a spammy domain and they blacklist it. And then like all the delivery is kind of gone. That's why you see many organizations that are doing a lot of hardcore, high intensity outbound have like blacklisted domains where this just always lands in the spam folder. So one tip I always give is to prospect with a kind of like side domain you know, let's say, I don't know, it would be taskdrive.com. You could say uh, task-drive.io uh, could be, let's say, your prospecting stuff. So that's, that's one thing I say. But like important point here, make sure you don't send too, too many uh, bounce. And if you look at like uh, tools like ActiveCampaign or MailChimp or whatever, that's the core of what they're doing. They are really making sure that there's not too much bounce because otherwise they're, you know, they are blacklisted and your domain is. So I think it's an interesting point here. Absolutely. And to to that note, even if you have um, another alternative domain where you could do your send outs from, if you still keep on getting bounces, there is a chance that that could be blacklisted. And the mm-hmm. fact that the, this domain, the rule of thumb is for you to have the alternative domain to work properly, this alternative domain actually has to be rerouted to your main domain. So say, for example, if it's taskdriveresearch.com being routed over to taskdrive.com, if taskdriveresearch.com becomes blacklisted, there is still a good chance that taskdrive.com may be affected. I've already seen that happen before 
it has happened and so you have to be very careful with that but at the same time you're right it's it's really about the quality you don't want to be emailing bounce contacts apart from the fact that your domain might be blacklisted emailing contacts that are simply bouncing and if it's more than 10 percent it's a sign that you're not really getting the value of what you're paying for you want to be reaching out to people who could actually connect with you and see your message so if it bounces it's actually not a good sign so um we invest in paid tools to be really you know to really check out the available um you know to to check out which emails are really valid and which are the ones that you could really use okay okay cool and so while we're talking about all this tech stuff i'm curious to know for gdpr so uh, often, you know, like there's really this gray zone where no one really knows if like enriching emails or, or finding emails is, is legal. What's your, your experience with that and, and the, you know, what, what you can share with our audience regarding that? Absolutely. So many people think that GDPR has teeth. And at some point back in 2019 and 2018, many people thought that with, with the implementation of GDPR that your, you know, that the, the cold emailing will become dead. But the fact is, it isn't. So the GDPR covers individuals and essentially not businesses. But in the spirit of compliance with GDPR, you still want to make sure that you comply with the rules and regulations just to be on the safe side. So on data gathering and on prospecting, you have to remember these few things. Number one is that when you get an outsourced provider to do the email lead list building or prospecting for you, that they are simply the data processor and you are the data owner. Number two is that once the data is handed over to you and, so, and the provi your provider says, this is your lead list, these are the contacts, and you know, um, feel free to go ahead and use them as you wish. We have to remember that there are some countries in the European, European Union that actually have policies that they need to opt in first before you really reach out to them. There are some countries where you could reach out to and mention to them and specify to them that, hi, you know, I'm reaching out to you because I think that our business could help you out with solving your problem. Are you, uh, I would just like to ask for your permission if you'd like to opt in and learn more. So it's about expressing what we call the intent or there was another term for that. And I, I'm trying to remember, I'm trying to remember it. It slipped off my head. There is the intent, consent. No, it's not the intent or consent. Legitimate interest. Okay, that there yeah. is legitimate interest that your business is connecting with another business to help with their problem. Mm -hmm. So knowing GDPR, if you're able to express the legitimate interest, then you're actually complying with regulations. But you also have to comply when one responds to you saying that, hey, I want you to remove my name and my information from your database. You simply reply telling them that, all right, no worries, thank you for your response. Rest assured that we do not keep any data of you anymore and that, you know, it's mm -hmm. per sure you follow your standard protocol yeah. in responding to them, telling them that, you know, it's it's that. It's it's actually, I've always wondered because often, you know, when you get your prospect and people say, get me out, out of your list, uh, you say, okay, fine. But how do you prevent from being prospected again? Because if you don't have any more record that the person said no, that's always like what I wondered is like, I imagine this case where someone is constantly opting out and constantly being like re-added. So I'm, I'm wondering what's the use case there. Have you, have you seen this kind of thing already? 
Yes, I've seen cases like that. And so you have to be very careful in identifying and finding out how you could um, remove a person from a certain way. Now, depending on the regulations, you would have to consult with your legal team. But there is indeed a way for you to actually unenroll or not unenroll, but rather put them into a blacklist. Mm -hmm. And there are ways you could either simply use their name you could simply use the email address and the purpose of that is to simply put them in a blacklist. Mm-hmm. Whilst you may have, the request was for you to remove their records. If you find a way to either put an ID or identifying marker or something to that case. So even if you remove their email address, there is a way to somewhat put an ID or identifying marker mm-hmm. that could put them in a blacklist so that in the future, should you try to engage with that person by accident, you actually prevent mm-hmm the system will prevent you from having to engage with that person because okay. that person belongs to a blacklist. So you could delete the first name, last name, you could even delete the email, but I know there's a way to get an ID or somewhat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are tools that would help us identify those. Okay. Okay, cool. And so I'm curious also, like in terms of uh, lead sources, where do you suggest, like, what's the suggestion for businesses when they're doing, you know, like uh, outbound uh, to kind of, where can they find interesting leads? Where should they uh, look for this kind of leads? Great question. There are many sources where you could find great leads. It depends with your playbooks. Now, there are certain playbooks that you have to follow to get the process of identifying great leads for you. So the answer to that is there are many great sources, but it really depends on what your strategy is, what your intent is, and how you classify a good lead to be. So say, for example, what you find to be a very good lead is one who has buying intent. And many of our listeners right here actually want that. I want a lead that is in a market to buy our product. As such, the best source for you to get these leads would be the following. You could use Bombora to find intent data where you use search topics to find companies that are looking for these search topics. And that's an indicator that they are probably in the market to buy your product. Mm -hmm. Or number two is that you could use tools like Lead Feeder or the like to identify those companies that are visiting your website because there's a possibility that they visited your website because they are in the market to buy a product. So that's a good source. If you simply go to Sales Navigator or to Google or to Apollo or anywhere where, you know, you simply try to identify companies that are good for you, but the purpose of you classifying that good lead is that they are in the market to buy your product, then that's not a good way or not a good source for your contacts. But what if it's another way around? Say, for example, a good lead for you is someone who was recently hired in their position as, say, for example, for TaskRabs case, a demand gen manager or a business development manager. They were recently hired, so they are more likely to make um, new changes within the organization, new purchase decisions because they're new. So they want to, you know, make some efforts to really ramp up their department. In that case, if you're looking for someone who was recently hired, then a good source for your contacts will be Sales Navigator. Mm -hmm. In Sales Navigator, you could find the title, and then you could choose an option there to filter and find they were hired less than a year ago, so they're fairly new to their role. So that's a good source for your contacts. So again, because of the hiring date, then Sales Navigator becomes a good source for you. Bombora and other tools may not be a good source for you because that's not the purpose or, you know, the qualification of you classifying the lead to be a, you know, a good one or of good quality. And another example would be, say, for example, um, you're looking for a contact that uses a specific technology. Now, this is a little difficult. What's a good source for a contact that, say, for example, uses Salesforce? 
they use Salesforce. I need to find out if they're using Salesforce in, in some way. So there are ways for you to get those contacts and technologies. Apollo has some filters that you could look into that actually filters the technology that they use. So you could get good contacts from there. At the same time, Built With also has some good contacts or good companies where they somewhat have the Salesforce plugin or Pardo uh, plugin in their um, website that tracks or, you know, even that them using that as an SPF. So that's an indicator that they're using Salesforce. So, yeah. you know, built with an Apollo may be a good source for you to get those contacts subject again to quality checks and verifications and mm -hmm. same with other playbooks, of course. So you, the answer to your question is the source for good contacts depends on your research playbook. So if you don't have a research playbook, the best way to find that is to first get a research playbook, decide what to work on, and then you can decide which source to come up with. And if anyone has any questions about how to come up with a research playbook or is curious what are the research playbooks, I can definitely share the source with you, Thibaut, or you know, um, they could reach out and I'd be happy to share the playbooks with them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's brilliant. Um, it's, I mean, it reminds me reminds me of the conversation I had with Mark, who introduced us. Mark from uh, Mark Colgan from uh, I don't know how many companies he's running, but like a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. He talked about this uh, this thing, you know, like triggers. And first is to identify what are the good triggers for you. Technology can be a good one. And you know, the good thing, let's say, if you want to sell to someone who has Salesforce, uh, there's a lot of extensions, you know, like Chrome extension, Chrome plugins. That are I don't know if you can do much with that, but uh, let's say there's Dooley or Laser Focus or a bunch of stuff that are made only for Salesforce users to make their life simple. So you could actually check what what is in there. But the research playbook I think is is really brilliant um, because first understand what are the triggers, what are the like the the what's the digital footprint that shows that you're the person you're talking to has a potential problem you can solve. And uh, yeah, there's similar tech or, you know, I think does that really well also. So there's uh, plenty of tools there. Absolutely, indeed. And so that's that's another thing, you know, if if you're finding it hard to find certain technology um, users, you could find common tools that they are using that would point you that they are most likely using this tool because they're using this extension or doing this. So you find indicators and ways to be to make your research feasible. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm curious now about like uh, um, uh, your recommendation with working with virtual assistants. So you talked a bit about Upwork, where you can find like pretty much a marketplace of people who will uh, work, uh, you know, and kind of like work on leads, experts on that. So what's your recommendation of working with, with virtual assistants? For someone that is coming from the Philippines, which is, you know, I come from the Philippines, I support and I am an advocate for freelancers who exist in Upwork. And at some point in my life, I did, you know, I did try Upwork myself as well. Like I was um, a worker for Upwork. And my recommendation there depends again on your needs and availability. If you have the time to manage your virtual assistant or lead researcher, or you're always in touch with your lead researcher, then Upwork may be a good source for you because you are in touch with them, you're communicating with them. And so the chances of them being able to raise questions to you or you inspecting the lead list that they are building is, is there. You're able to check what their work is. You're able to check what they're doing every single day. And so you could direct them and stir them in the right direction should they you know, stray away from your ideal customer profile. 
So I'm, 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 I'm all for that. And I, I definitely um, tell some of my prospective clients that if you do have the time to do that, that's actually a good solution for you because it's economical, but at the same time, you have the bandwidth and the time to you know, manage your virtual assistant. But what if it's the other way around? What if you're looking to building your pipeline and focusing and you, know, and you want to focus on other efforts that are revenue generating and you really don't have the time or want to manage your virtual assistant? then perhaps virtual assistants may not be the right solution for you because this requires constant attention and inspection to ensure that you get a good quality list. If you don't have the time to inspect your virtual assistant's work or to stir them in the right direction or manage them and you know speak to them uh, speak to them constantly or you know oversee their day-to-day -day activities it might not be a good outcome for you. So it's a yes and a no but you know if you have the time that it's really good. That's actually a very good source. Yeah, yeah that, that's something I, I can uh, talk about, like uh, from experience. I've, uh, uh, you know, I've started like uh, again my first kind of gig, uh, you know, working at uh, when I started Sales Labs. I thought it would be easy, you know, like you kind of like put a PDF and then you kind of share that, and then you're gonna just get like lead lists that are just perfect. And uh, no it's actually requiring a lot of time. So there's no, you know, like, as you said, you need to steer people in a certain direction and uh, uh, building lead list sounds like a trivial and easy stuff to do, but it's not, you know, knowing like what kind of company you have to go after, the right person, how to find emails, this is not really an easy task. Um, and so I think it's it's really about making sure you, you as you said, if you're working with VS, make sure you have like the, um, the right uh, in the time. And if you're not working with VAs, you know, it's another thing. Make sure you can also have the time, which brings me to actually, I think it's a great transition uh, to actually what you're doing at Task Drive. So I'm, I'm really curious and I'm sure, sure people in the audience are also very curious to know how you can help them with uh, lead research and, and lead enrichment. Yep, absolutely. So Task Drive is a market research company that has its bread and butter on lead list building. We have a staff around the globe from Mexico to Ukraine to Cape Town to Philippines. And we have, you know, we we help customers by getting their ideal customer profile, finding the data points that they require, discussing with them what they need, what's a good lead for them. And we start building a contact list for them. And we normally deliver these lists on a weekly basis. So what makes Task Drive different from firmer graphic data providers and virtual assistants is that with though the product and the end product may be the same, which is you have a contact list, the model is entirely different. We operate under a people as a service model. So we're not a software. We staff lead researchers from around the globe to do human curated leads or give human curated leads and research what you really need. And at the same time, verify the validity of these leads. And these lead researchers are managed by a support team internally by Task Drive. So you don't even have to manage your lead researcher. That's what makes us different. We have support staff, customer experience advocates, previously known as customer success managers, mm -hmm. that manage your lead researcher or lead researchers to get the contact list that you desire. So basically, you're not just hiring an 
a resource. You're actually hiring a team of workers that could do the legwork of finding the contact lists for you. And the end goal here is to save you the time and effort from having to find these yourself, save you the time and effort from having to verify the contacts, and empower your SDRs to focus on what they do best which is selling, which is prospecting and building your pipeline. Because one of the things that we have identified is that nowadays you really want to do a multi-channel approach, which is to contact them in email, contact them in LinkedIn, phone call, text message, anywhere, you know, any channel that you want to adapt. And so that takes time. So if your sales development representative or resources, especially if they're onshore, actually spends 25 to 50% of their time just finding the contacts and 50% of their day is left doing the prospecting side, that's actually time lost for them. They could have done so many other multi-channel approaches that could help them build their pipeline. And more often than not, if 50% of your time is left for the day just to do prospecting, you could it's, it would be very difficult for one to do a multi-channel approach because little time is left to do this and that. There is time required to do quality prospecting and adapting the multi-channel approach. Okay. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm working with a lot of sales team and sales development teams and almost all of them are wasting at least 25% of their time doing lead research. So, and sometimes they, they have these kind of uh, big names where, you know, like they, 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 download, they get access to a database and everything. They still do a ton of lead research because the, the, lead, the lead list is not accurate. If you think about just in the US, for example, like 30% of leads are uh, often kind of deprecated because people are moving jobs a lot. So it's, it's very interesting to see that um, you know, we pay and now SDRs, you know, we pay them like high money, high bucks, uh, you know, for, for, for doing like this kind of task. So I think it's a, it's a good use case you're solving. So it's, it's something very interesting there. Absolutely. What we aim to do here is to eliminate the cost of non-revenue non generating tasks. Although lead research does support revenue generating activities, it is it is very indirect and so it does not really involved in revenue generating activities. So come to think of it, many of the customers that we have helped is because of the, they, they, they chose Task Drive because they wanted to make sure that the people that they have onshore, the people that they're paying high money for is really focused on one thing, revenue generating activities. And we do the legwork at the fraction of a cost for you know, what an onshore um, representative or staff would cost. Okay. And so if people are interested in learning more, getting in touch with you to kind of like talk about that, uh, or simply, you know, like get access to some interesting resources, where, where can they get in touch with you? Oh, that's a good question. They could go to testdrive.com and there is a scheduled free consultation there. They could also reach out to me via LinkedIn. I'm I am there. I'm 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 the Daniel Vidu there that's supercharging SDRs with lead research. Um, and the purpose of you booking a call with me is not really for me to try to sell you test drive, but rather my discovery calls are the reason why I do these calls is to really help find a solution to your problem. So we're going to be talking about your challenges with lead research, what you're looking to achieve, and I'm happy to share steps and tricks and how you could, um, you know, uh, address the problems that you have with lead research. Basically, the intent of the call is for us to discover if you truly need task drive or not. I do not want to simply offer task drive to someone who does not need it. I want to be of help and 
you know, to really offer a great solution to all prospective clients that I speak to. So there have been some clients that I've spoken to and I told them that perhaps TestRite may not be a fit for you, but you can do this so you get the lead list that you're looking for. Or that they say that I don't have the budget right now and I tell them no worries. I think that these are some of the steps that you can take so that you could make your prospecting successful through lead research. And so the purpose of the call is to really offer help and offer solutions. And if at some point I identify that there might be a way that Task Drive can help, then I definitely discuss that. But as much as possible, the culture that I want to adapt in the sales world is not simply to sell a product or test drive over and over again, but rather to really help one understand that test drive can help you. And it is up to you and how you would like to pursue if you'd like our help or if you would like to develop your playbook first, I'm also happy to help. So I've helped many people um, in, in in my network, I've helped them with their content writing or in their lead research playbook, and there was no charge. It's simply a matter of helping, and that's what I want to achieve. I want to achieve where, and this is the beautiful thing about B2B, it's the fact that it's not just about selling, it's not just about gaining money, it's actually growing your network and growing your connections to gain a you know gain um gain a network where if you need help you can reach out to them if they need, if they if if they need your help they can reach out to you so it's an exchange of ideas culture great work and best practices in the b2b world and so that's what i look to achieve when um one meets with me okay cool so thanks a lot daniel that was really nice and i think you got really the right spirit the spirit around that so i'll put all the links in the show notes so people can really find them easily any last word before we wrap this up? No, I don't have anything else. I just wanted to, again, remind everyone that if you don't have a lead research playbook yet, now's the best time to take a look at that because I think that by developing your lead research playbook that you could then, it could then influence your strategy for your outbound efforts. And so that is available in taskdrive.com forward slash playbooks, or you could reach out to me and I could send the links of the playbooks to you. And there are some great videos that are um, uh, my previous, um, he's my, I'm, my predecessor, Mark Colgan, has made uh, to guide you with your lead research. And so I don't have anything else to add. Again, Thibaut, this was a great interview. I, I'm, I would like to thank you for having me today. Yeah, no, thanks so much for coming on, on the show and delivering so much value. So I think it's it's really great. And um, yeah, I'm really sure people will, uh, will be happy to hear that. So thanks so much for coming on the show and uh, talk soon. Talk soon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear and you want to suggest a topic or a guest, you can join the T-shaped sales community. It's a 10 euro a month subscription where you'll get access to one new tactical training every month, a community of sales reps and exclusive events and discounts. Join today and get one month for free at www.saleslabs.io/tsc.